you are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Hey, so we're kicking off our brand new series called So That. So That. Hey, turn to your neighbor and tap him on the shoulder and be like, so that. Turn to your second choice and be like, so that. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the heart of this series is found in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. A uh, little context of what's going on. It's written by this man named Paul. And uh, he's, um, he, he's letting the, 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 the church know that it's a privilege to serve God. It's a privilege to share the good news, which is Jesus. Basically, he's letting people know that that your relationship with Jesus, this opportunity that you and I have to share the love of Jesus, like we get to do that. It's not a have to, we get to. And I think that when you begin to look and look through your, uh, your walk with Jesus as a get to rather than a have to, I think it becomes a little more enjoyable when, when it's, a, when it's I, I get to. And so check this out. I have actually two, uh, two translations. Here's the first one. This is Paul. And again, he's writing, for though I am free from all men. So basically he's saying, I don't have to do what I'm about to tell you. I have made myself a slave to all. So I don't have to, but I get to. So that I may win more. He's talking about sharing the good news of Jesus that I, so that I can do more, so I can share with people more. Here, I love the message translation. I think we have it on the screen. It says, even though I'm free of all the demands and expectations of everyone, I have to voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this idea so that these different characteristics that, that as a believer or someone who's on the fence of like, should I jump into this Christianity thing? This idea, the three characteristics that I think are vital for all of us to have so that we can win as many people as we can to Jesus. And so I'm going to pray. We're going to jump in. I do want to say this. We believe that a quiet church is a dead church. And so that simply means that if I'm saying something, that in the middle of it, if it's something good, you have every right to be like, amen. You can say, preach, preacher. If it's super good, you can be like, mm, if you want. If it's really good, you can stand up and you can just look at me and nod. If it's really good, you stand up, cross your arms like this, like that. And so uh, we're going to pray and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get started. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to come here and to worship you freely. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to just be in a community with one another. God, I thank you that you never designed us to be alone. God, that you created us to live in community with one another. And so I pray today, God, that we would find community not just in you, but in those around us, God. 
Lord, we thank you so much for today. I pray that this message, God, that it would change and transform our hearts. God, that when we leave here, that we would leave change. Nobody has an hour and 10 minutes to waste, God. And so we want to leave change, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone said amen. 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 Hey, have you ever just had the wrong motives? The wrong motives. Like you you do something for the wrong reason, but you try to pretend it's for the, the good of everyone else, but it's really just for you. So I've never done that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so that, that happened to me a while back. Um, I have three kids, for those of you that don't know. I have an almost eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and an, oh my goodness, eight-month-old, right? Like, and um, and uh, my wife and I, we don't get a lot of just time to ourselves, as much time as, as I would like, as we would like. And so... Um, so we always just try to, try to make time so that we can hang out and, uh, you know, whatever. And um, we'll let that sink in. And, um, and, and so, so the, the other, it was maybe a couple months ago or whatever, my wife was going to a small group. Um, and she said to me, she said, baby, have the kids in bed asleep so when I get home we can hang out. And I... <laughs> And I was like, hey, okay. And so, uh, so, so the, the whole time I'm like, kids, you need to go to bed. Dad, it's only six o'clock. Shut up and go to bed. Like, <laughs> I didn't say, I don't say shut up to my kids. <laughs> um, and, 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 and they're like, dad, I don't want to go to sleep. Just go to sleep. Dad, it's, the sun's still up. I don't care. And I was noticing that this wasn't working. Like my kids were just like, they were going crazy. And then I tried to, I, I tried to motivate them to go to bed. I said, uh, I said something along the line, and this is true because I, I watched this on a documentary or I read it online. I don't know, but it's true. Um, I said, I, I read that it said something that like, when you get a lot of hours of sleep, that your kids need a lot of hours to sleep, and when they do, they become smarter in school. Did you guys ever, am I the only one that read that? Say <laughs> lovey. And so I, I told him, I was like, listen, kids, the reason why I want you to go to sleep early is because daddy loves you. I care about you. I want you to be the best that you can possibly be at school. I want, you to, I want you to be the top of your class. I want you, your brain to be alert. I want you to, uh, I want you to just to be the first person to raise your hand when a teacher asks a question. And guess what, kids? The only way that happens is when you go to sleep early. <laughs> and on top of that, kids, I said this. I want you to go to sleep early, and I want you to be the best that you can be because daddy loves you. I don't know. It worked. They went to bed, and I was like, hey. So my wife came home, and we'll fast forward that part. 
But here, here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm trying to, to get at is, is that I told him, I was like, I love you. I want this for you. And the reason why I want this for you is because I love you. But really, I had an ulterior motive. I didn't tell him I had an ulterior motive, but I had, I had one. And the reason why I'm sharing this awkward story with you is because really this is the heart of the message today. This idea of what motivates you. Specifically, what motivates you to love? What drives you to love one another? See, I believe that if we, uh, that, that what, the first characteristic that we're going to be talking about today is love. Like you and I, we need to learn to love so that. But in order to love, we got to figure out what is our driving force? What is our motivation to love? See, I think for the longest time, we, we've, we, we've thought of love and we thought about the ability to love. And um, it, it's really our love has revolved around the mantra I love because I want to be loved. In fact, we read in the Old Testament of, of, of Scripture in Leviticus chapter 19, there, uh, that whole chapter is almost all about treat your neighbor this way so that you can be treated this way. And so this idea of loving, I'm going to love you so that I can be loved, it's really woven all throughout who we are as people, culture, society. In fact, even in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus even referenced this type of love. I'm going to set this, the, the, the story a little bit of what's going on. Jesus, he, he just... Um, he, he just laid the smack down, if you will, on the Sadducees of the time, the aristocrats, if you will. They were challenging Jesus. Jesus was amazing at making, making them feel like they don't know what they're talking about. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the, this group of Pharisees, they noticed what Jesus just did. And, and, and the scripture says that one of the Pharisees was a master in the Jewish law. He, he was basically a lawyer of the 617 laws that the Jewish people had to, had to follow and had to uh, live by. And so this lawyer, he goes up to Jesus and he asks Jesus this question. He says, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? I think... He didn't really care about what Jesus was going to say. He was just trying to get Jesus in a little pickle, trying to corner him. But I love Jesus' response. It's in Matthew chapter 16. I believe we have it on the screen. Or Matthew chapter 22, I'm sorry. It says this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, if Jesus would have stopped right there, if he just put like a big period right there, I think that the lawyer would have been like, 
All right, guys, there's nothing to see here. Let's go. He's good. But Jesus, he kept pushing, right? So, so he's like, uh, the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he keeps going. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That would have, the lawyer, I imagine, would have been walking away satisfied that Jesus did something good. And then Jesus is like, and, wait a second, I'm not done. This next thing that I'm about to tell you is equally as important as the first one. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I was thinking about this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. And, and on the surface, I think that we can all agree that uh, it's, some, it's good advice, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. But I think that as you dive a little bit deeper into loving neighbors or loving other people as yourself, we see two really main issues with this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. And so for all you note takers, here we go. The first one is this, unseen value. Unseen value. See, this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, it's based on this idea that you could only love other people if you first love yourself. And I think for a lot of us, this idea of loving ourselves is very hard. See, if I can't love myself, if I don't even think I'm lovable, how am I supposed to love you? See, I think for some of us, we don't understand the value that God has placed in our lives. See, no matter where you're at today, if you're here and you're a believer or you're here and you're, you're, you're an unbeliever, here's what I believe without a shadow of a doubt. You were created for a purpose. You were created for a reason. You're his masterpiece. You're not his mistake. And so, so when he created you, he placed some value inside of you. But I think a lot of us, we filter this idea of value through the lens of how our life has turned out thus far. See, because when I, when I say God loves you and he's placed value in you, for some of us here, we're filtering that through this idea that mom walked out on me when I was younger, that dad walked out on me when I was younger, that my wife left me, that this person that said they would be here forever, they're no longer here with me. And when we see that, and you have some young punk preacher with skinny jeans and holes in his knees saying that God created you with value, you're like, yo, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. But God has value in you. He placed it inside of you. But until you understand that, until you see the value that he's placed inside of you, you will never be able to love people the way that you need to love them. 
So that's the first issue. Here's the second issue. Selfish ambition. When you really look at this idea, love your neighbor as yourself. The only reason you're loving people is because you want to be loved. And so we walk around like, yo, I love you. I'm going to do this for you. Not because I want to, but because if I don't, then I won't ever receive that. And so we walk around like loving people, but the motives and ambitions of our heart are selfish. I'm loving you because I want to be loved. I'm serving you because I want to be served. I'm honoring you because I want to be honored. And when you do things that way, all of a sudden, you're not loving for the sake of the other person, but you're loving because you want to be loved, because you have selfish ambitions. And so love your neighbor as yourself, though it's been woven throughout history, this idea of how you treat me or how I treat you is how, um, how I treat you is how others will treat me. It's been woven all throughout our history. But what if there's a better way to love? See, we fast forward to uh, the gospel of John, uh, John chapter 13. Uh, chapter 13 really begins the last hours, the last moments of Jesus' life on earth. And this is uh, the time uh, where he, he, he's, about to, he's about to be led and arrested. And so John chapter 13, it, it sets up, it's actually, it's a quite awkward, uh, it's quite awkward read, John chapter 13. Uh, Jesus, he knows that it's his last moments, last hours on earth. And um, he throws this dinner party. Y'all like dinner parties? I love dinner parties. I love eating and hanging out with people. And uh, so Jesus, he, he throws this dinner party for, um, for his best friends, his disciples. And uh, it, it gets really awkward, okay? So I just, I want you to, to, to frame this through the lens of you coming over my house and me doing this to you. Okay, so here, here they are. The, uh, they're, they're eating, they're eating, and you can read this, John chapter 13, when you get home, there's homework assignment for you. Uh, John chapter 13, they're eating, they're, they're, they're having fun, they're, it's, it's, a, it's a dinner party, and then all of a sudden, you read the text, and the text says that Jesus, he scooted himself away from the table, and he started washing the disciples' feet. Like he's eating dinner, and then he just gets up, and he's like, I'm going to wash your feet. And he starts washing their feet during dinner. Is that weird? Is that just me? I'm reading that, and I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'd want you to do that to me while I'm eating my dinner. And so that, that's a bit awkward, but if that wasn't awkward enough, um, the, the scripture says that, that Jesus knew that there was someone that was about to backstab him. 
someone was about to betray him. And, uh, and, and so uh, John chapter 13, you read it. The author of John, the one who Jesus loved, he, he leans back to Jesus. And he, it's like he whispers to him, hey, Jesus, which one of these clowns are going to betray you? Who is it? Tell me. And Jesus says, it's the person that I give this bread to. And he hands it to Judas. Like imagine like receiving the bread. You're like. Like it's just an awkward dinner party. It's super awkward. And after the awkward foot wash. After the awkward bread pass, we get to John chapter 13 and verse 34. And Jesus says this. So now, or a new, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Okay, so let's just pause right there. Could you imagine Jesus? After the awkward foot wash, after the awkward bread pass, Jesus says this. Hey guys, I have a new commandment for you. Love one another. You have to be sitting there like, he said that, he's told us that already. Like he just, guys, do you remember that one time when that lawyer came up to Jesus and was like, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus was like, this is the great." Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? You've already said that. <laughs> like, when I read my Bible, that's what's going on. Jesus, what are you talking about? You already said it. He's losing it. What's going on? <laughs> but he continues. He says this. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. See, it's the same, but it's different. See, the first one was love your neighbor as yourself. There's issues with that one. We talked about it. Some people have unseen values, so they can't love. Uh, it's very... Um, Selfish ambition. And so Jesus comes on the scene. He's like, I got a new commandment for you. Oh, yeah, what's that, Jesus? Love one another. We heard you say that already, Jesus. Love them as I've loved you. And then it changes. Because now my motivation to love is not so that I can be loved. My motivation to love is because I was first loved. Jesus. Love, love others just as I have loved you. So I guess that brings up the question how does Jesus love? So I want to take up the next couple minutes, really means nothing. <laughs> I mean, we could be here till five o'clock. I'm just kidding. I want to give you two ways that we see Jesus showing love to his disciples in these last moments. So number one, for all you note takers out there, 
Two ways Jesus loved. Number one is this, selfless love. Selfless love. I want you to picture this. Here, here is the Messiah, the rabbi, the teacher, the king, Jesus, sitting here at the table with his friends. He gets up and he postures himself in the position of a servant. He gets down on his knee and he begins to wash the feet of these men. Now instantly, I thought of how disgusting that is. Because pollution back then was not seen in the form of smog, but in poo. Your, your, your shoes probably were open toe. All the dirt and the mud that you're walking through. Corns. Flat feet. Hey, I'm flat-footed. And he's sitting there, and he, he, he takes on this, this posture of I know that I'm king, I know that I'm teacher, I know that I'm, I know that I'm your rabbi, I, I know that, I'm, uh, that you've been calling me master, but watch what I'm about to do. And he says, he, he gets down and he begins to wash their feet. It's this beautiful picture of I know what I can get, and yet, I'm going to live right here in this moment on this level to serve you. He says this in, in, uh, in the John chapter 13, verse 15. He says, for I am, this is not on the, on the screen. He says, for I am giving you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. See, because there's this guy named Peter, and he was like, whoa, Jesus, you are not washing my feet. If anything, I should wash your feet. And Jesus is like, no, this has to be done. Why does it have to be done, Jesus? He says, because I'm doing this so you can model after it. Okay, so does, is he asking us to model feet washing? Maybe, but I think even more so what he's saying for us to model is this idea that we lay aside our titles, we lay aside our positions so that we can serve and love people selflessly. Not because you want anything in return, but because Jesus modeled it for us. This idea that my loved my love is not based off of what you can do for me. But it's based off of what he did for me. This idea of selfless love. So the, the very first one is, is selfless love. He models that for us. The second love that he models is this. Unconditional love. I've never seen this before, <clears throat> but it makes sense. 
Here is Jesus. They're at the table. And you're going to have to read John chapter 13. You'll start at the beginning. And right before Jesus even washes feet, he knows that someone's about to betray him. And even knowing that someone is about to betray him, he still washes that person's feet. Think about that. He's washing Peter's feet. He's washing John's feet. And then he gets to Judas, knowing that that's going to be the one that betrays him. That's going to be the one that stabs him in the back. That's the one that's going to sell him. And he could have been like, I know what you're about to do. And I refuse to wash your feet. I know what you're about. Who, who, I know you're about to give me up. And so I'm not touching your nasty, flat-footed, corn-grained feet. But that's not what Jesus did. He still washed the feet of the one person that was about to kill him. If that is not unconditional love, I have no idea what is. And it's just this, this feeling of I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to love you not because I want something from you. I'm going to love you not because what you're about to do towards me, but I'm going to love you because that's what love is. It's selfless. It's unconditional. It's not based off of whether you'd be able to receive it back. The motives have switched. The motives changed. It's different now. He said, a new commandment I give to you. Just as I have loved you, love one another. Then it brings up this question, why? Why would I ever love people who should be serving me? Why should I love my employees when I'm their boss? They should be showing me. Why should I love those people who are betraying me? Why should I love those people that are plotting my failure? I love Jesus because it's as if Jesus knew that the question that would be asked next would be brought up. Because he says this in verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my, dis my disciples if you love one another. Jesus, why do I got to love selflessly? Why do I got to love unconditionally? It stinks. 
do it so people know you're my disciple. See, anyone can love someone because they want to be loved. Only people who can trust their lives with Jesus can love people who don't deserve their love. So that we love so that those far from God. We love so that that person who's broken and feels like life is not even worth living can come and experience Jesus' love. We love so that mom who's overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do can come and find community. Listen, we love we love we love so that we love so that we love for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.